Hello, and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. You're listening to the podcast for people who want to learn about the government market from a contracting officer's perspective. Today, we're going to talk about the government acquisition process using a concept that we call time zones. We'll describe the types of activities that go on in each of the zones and what you and the government should be doing during each phase. There are separate casts that go deeper into the details of each zone. This cast is meant to be an overview of the concept. Throughout our other podcasts, we refer to these zones to help you understand where the topic we're discussing fits in the overall acquisition process. All right, let's get started. All right, Kevin, today we're going to talk about the time zones. This is the way you and I have referred to the different phases of the acquisition cycle in a way that's more easily relatable. There's four different zones. There's the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and the source selection zone. And that's in order from the beginning of I want to buy something to the end, I've selected where who I want to buy it from. So tell me a little bit about the requirement zone and where it all starts. In simple terms, this is what is the actual need? And the reason we start with the requirement zone is this is something that's happening often before the industry folks or the the, the offerers, the, the potential bidders, even know that the requirement's being written. If it's a contract that's being renewed, this is probably happening about a year before the contract renews. Or if it's a requirement that the RFP is going to come out next year, or it may be coming out next month. Let me tell you why. So the simplest way to think of this is it doesn't matter whether the contracting officer is buying a copier or they're buying an aircraft. These four time zones still apply. So in the copier example, the requirement is, well, we're going to need a copier because this one looks like it's dying. Okay, let's pull out the spec. Let's find out what this, how are we going to buy this thing? Do some market research, look on GSA, eBuy, something like that. This, do some market research to see, up oh, here's a small business that has it, or we're going to buy it at Staples, and you make that decision. And they put out a bid, or they, depending on how the process goes, they may actually just put it on uh, GSA and pick one. That's the RFP zone. And then there's a source selection where they say, okay, here are the three bids, and we're going to pick one. And they would the contract, off they go. Went through that really fast, right? Well, that same process applies if you're buying a, a, a F-22 fighter, except the requirements process takes a lot longer, a lot more pieces, a lot more players to check with. Market research zone takes a lot longer because now you have to figure out who can actually build this thing, who has the supplies, what manufacturers. You've got all kinds of buy American rules. I mean, it's a, it's a jet. It's a whole different level. And at that point, you might actually circle back to the requirement zone and refine them because you've learned a lot during the market research zone. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And then once you've laid out the market research and that's where you decide, are you doing this as, as a small, no, I doubt it as a jet, but you get the example. How is the acquisition strategy going to work? You're going to put out pre-solicitation notices, all that kind of stuff. And then you're going to have the RFP zone where the actual RFP goes out. And remember, in the copier example, it may have been a half an hour. <laughs> I mean, they just went on eBay and said, here's three, eBay and looked at three different uh, options to pick from. Or they put out an RF, an RFB, and they gave people two days to respond. I mean, there's lots of different ways to do this. Well, on the fighter example, it could be, it could be 30 days. It could be 45 days. It could be six months. Who knows? But it's a lot longer. And then, of course, the source selection zone is... After all this is done, they evaluate the proposals and pick one. So you get that these are kind of hyperbole to make the point. They're very, very obviously different examples. But the four time zones apply to essentially, for the most part, every acquisition that a contracting officer uses. Right. So, so if I'm a small business owner, requirement zone is where I say, hey, I think I need something to solve a problem. Market research zone is where I'm tooling around on the internet and 
checking all the different sites from Amazon to anything else. Then I move on to the RFP zone where I'm actually comparing the prices or the specs between the between the different sites that I've narrowed down to as potential sources. And then the source selection zone is where I actually say, this is what I'm going to buy and hit click. I, I say this kind of tongue in cheek. This same process should apply when you're buying your, 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 your goods, your services. And not everybody uses all these pieces. Sometimes they walk up and go, oh, I like that and buy it. So you notice they kind of skipped the requirement in the market research zone. But <laughs> that's just how you know, human, human nature is what it is. But the government process these time zones, we use this concept to lay out those four pieces. So throughout the podcasts, you're going to understand podcasts. You're going to understand where are we in the overall process by what zone we're in. And that's why we're talking through this today. Exactly. And so we'll have a separate cast for each of these zones where we get much more in the details of each zone. But right now we're just going over the top level. How do I know which zone I'm in? So let's, let's jump into the requirement zone and talk a little bit in just a little more detail about what's in the requirement zone. So this is where the government is deciding what they need and why. This is really where they're writing out the requirement of what they want to buy. They're building the contract requirement to see how can we buy this? What's the acquisition strategy potentially going to be? Does industry know that this is coming up? Uh, how big is the contract going to be? Are we going to buy 1,000 or 5,000 of whatever units, uh, of whatever product this is? Is this going to be a one-year contract or a five-year contract? What's the definition of success on the contract? Let's say that we're buying a helmet-mounted recording system. So that's a commercial item. You and I can buy those. However, depending on who you are, and, and by, the way, by the way, what that means, a helmet-mounted recording system is a small device that goes on a, on a and in this case, a special operations operator's helmet. So you literally can see in HD the stuff that they see. And so, yeah, so like Go, GoPro on steroids. Exactly. Okay, that's a good example. So that's a real product, and, and they're out there, right? So the requirement would be, well, how light does it have to be? Does it have to be waterproof? Um, how much shock absorption does it have to be? How big can it be? How does it fit on the helmet? Can it just be stapled? Not stapled, that's a bad example. Can it be glued on there? Does it have to be on the fit on the rails? There's all these different – that's part of the requirement. Now, keep in mind that you lay out, okay, this is what I want it to do. You haven't looked necessarily haven't looked into the market research zone yet to see what can industry do. You're saying what what do I need? What is my actual requirement? So we're going to move into the market research zone now because once you've decided this is what I need. So going back to the helmet mounted recording system, you need an HD system that is light, doesn't throw off the weight of the helmet, is probably waterproof and is rugged and is shock absorbent. So I make up those requirements, right? Now you know that. Now you do some market research. You put out an RFI. Uh, you post something on on uh, FedBizOps. You go you go to conferences. Your uh, requirements folks, i.e., your program manager and your users, they probably are looking at the internet. They're they're reading magazines. They know what is uh, commercially available. They know what the art of the possible is. And you can say, okay, well, there there are commercial items for this. There are a couple small businesses that make it. Maybe we can set this aside for a small business. And because we want to order 5,000 of them over the next five years, we need to make sure, can a small business actually manufacture 1,000 a year or 1,000 a month or whatever your requirement is? So you see how you have to see what, what can industry actually do? So when somebody asks me, well, should I respond to an RFI? The, quite, the answer is, if this is something that you are targeting, then yes, because this is the kind of information that you don't want the government to guess. You don't want them to assume, oh, yeah, small businesses can't do that. Well, if you can, this is your chance to tell them that you can. So this market research zone is, is a key factor because they make the decision on everything. 
they make a decision on everything from whether or not it'll be a commercial acquisition, contract type, how long the contract will actually be, uh, how how important will past performance be, will be relatively more important than price. Will they do a lowest price technically acceptable because this is a commodity that 20 companies can make? So all of those decisions are influenced during the market research zone. Right. So we actually use the market research zone to refine the requirements. And we're probably going to circle back to the requirements. We should have mentioned before, the requirement zone is usually the longest period of time. And you might touch it multiple times as you go through the other zones. Because as we've learned in the market research zone, we might find that there's water-resistant helmet-mounted cameras and there's waterproof helmet-mounted cameras. And we might circle back to the people that are going to use these things and say, hey, the water-resistant ones cost half as much as the waterproof ones. Is water-resistant okay or do you really need to dunk them? So we're going to touch requirements many times, even as we refine it through the market research zone. And as we're going to talk about in a minute with the RFP zone, RFP zone might let us reach back and refine the requirements yet again. Exactly. And then as the RFP zone really gets into, now that we've laid out what the requirement is, we've decided what the acquisition strategy will be and what what the market can actually do, now the RFP is posted for everybody to respond to. And from an industry perspective, if you if this is the first time you've heard of the requirement, do you understand all that's been going on in the background? Because this is why sometimes, well, that requirement's written for somebody else, is the, the accusation. Well, the reality is that the, the requirement is probably written for somebody who responded to the RFI. Because if your product does X and the requirement is for a product that does Y, and there's only three or four companies that, that the product does Y as through their uh, manufacturing process, well, you're going to think it's unfair. It's because they were in the market research zone. They were they were engaging. So that's why it's so important to think about when you see an RFP that drops and it's the first time you've seen it, there's a, there's a story behind that. And you have to be very careful that just because you can do it and just because you can respond doesn't make it the best choice for you. Yeah, at that point, you may be too late to respond to it if, if uh, all of your competitors have been active during the market research zone and helping make sure that their product uh, fits into to the requirements you might be too late to respond if you're just stepping in at the RFP time phase. I mean, most RFPs have a, not most, many RFPs have a chance for Q&A where you can ask questions if you don't understand the requirement or if you need one last shot to convince a contracting officer that maybe they missed something when they were uh, releasing that RFP and writing the requirements, but it doesn't really have to have a Q&A. And it's off, that by that point, it's very likely too late to make a major change. If you're, if you're out, you're out by then. And, and that's actually part of the, the value of the RFP zone is that by the time you see something on there, this is a good time for you to make a decision on, wow, this is not something I've ever heard of, or it came out very different than, differently than I thought. Therefore, I'm, I'm not very competitive for it. And it's a really good time to decide to walk away. That's a tangent. That, well, that's a whole different topic. So from an RFP zone of what, what's happening from a contracting officer's perspective, now you're, you're, you've kind of gone public. Uh, now all of the questions count. Now there's a situation where only the contracting officer is talking to industry. And the reason for that is we've decided this is how we're going to compete this. If we change anything in this process, we have to formally amend the solicitation. Well, if you have company X now talking to the, the user and the, the program managers like they were during the requirements of market research zone, it can get messy because now you have, oh, we have unfair competition. We have unfair influence. There are agreements that may be, may be going on outside of the RFP that create real risk for whether or not the contract can be effectively awarded. So, so the big difference here 
is now instead of lots of communication back and forth, it's funneled through the contracting officer. That's a big change. So if, if you have to issue an RFP amendment, what that means, the offers are already writing their, their proposals. So if you have to issue an amendment, you usually have to extend the time period to, to deliver the proposals, the, the proposal due date. So it, depending on the, the magnitude of the change, you may have to give another 10 days, another 15 days, another 30 days if you make a major change to the RFP. So, so you're really extending the time it takes you to, to complete the acquisition and adding to the costs that the bidders are, are expending in, in responding to it. And, and keep in mind, that's why oftentimes you'll see in an RFP that the amount of time you have to ask questions is limited. Because they don't want you to ask questions two days before the RFPs do. And well, number one, it's very unlikely they can shift and, and shuffle and change the RFP and then amend it in time for anybody to make a useful response. So therefore, they have to extend it. That's number one. But number two is even if you got your answer two days before the proposals do, you may not be able to adjust your course and, and answer the, the new, basically adjust your course based on what that answer may be. So you have to be very careful that don't wait until day 25 of a day thir- of a 30-day cycle to actually uh, ask your questions. So in order to offset that, contracting officers will often say, you have 10 days to ask, ask questions. After that, we may or may not get to them. Because to be fair, they're trying to get through this process. They're, they're trying to award contracts. They're not in the business of having RFPs drag on for six months or, or a year if they can help it. So the reality is that they're going to do as much upfront as they can so they can keep that schedule, keep that RFP schedule. Because keep in mind, there's a lot of other things going on in the background. You've got funding obligations. You've got users who actually want the product or service. You've got contracts expiring. I mean, there's a schedule behind all this that the government isn't necessarily going to uh, tell you about. But Right. you got to hope by the time we get to the RFP zone that you've, you've worked out all the questions and the back and forth during the market research zone. And you have very few questions uh, by the time you get to the actual RFP zone. That's why, you know, we say the RFP zone doesn't usually bleed into the other phases. The requirement zone and the market research zone, you might circle back through several times as you're building the requirements better. Once you get to the RFP zone, except in very rare circumstances, you're pretty much done rewinding to the other zones. All right, we've, we've released the RFP. It's out on the street. Proposals come in. So now we've entered the source selection zone. And the source selection zone is the, the final stage. This is where you can't go back. Uh, the, the reason that's important to understand is that an interesting thing we talked about, the 80-20 rule in government contracts, the 80% of the 80-20 rule in, the, in government contracts is the process. Well, the source selection zone is, okay, the process is now finite. Everything that we laid out through, during the first three phases, we can't change anything anymore. We can't go back and say, oh, yeah, when we, when we meant – we said water resistant, but we really wanted waterproof. You can't do that at this at this stage. You can't say, well, we wanted a three-year contract, but we're going to award a five-year contract. You can't do that. It's like all of those things, and that's again, that's a unique feature of government contracts, is that you can't you can't go back into the RFP zone after you're in source selection. So now you have to award a contract based on what you actually competed. So this is the scary part for the bidders where you just sit back and bite your nails because proposals go into the black box, the government stops communicating and talking about it at all, and you just have to sit back and wait for the award announcement. And it's, it's, it's stressful on both sides because now the, the, the perception on the government side is we're just waiting for everybody to protest every single thing that I, that I come up with here. 
every, every, every decision, every assessment, every word in the, and it's going to end up being in the debriefing and the source selection decision documents and all those things. It's a very fine process that you have to be very careful that you're sticking to what, but what we said we do, what, what was the RFP requirement, market research? What did that all sum up to? And then what did everybody answer? meaning they're the proposal and you have to assess what's actually been answered. Right. So there'll be a whole separate cast where we're going to have to dive into what the heck is the government doing taking so long? This should be an easy decision. The end of the source selection zone is contract award. We could, in theory, if we were cynical, add a fifth one, a fifth phase called the protest zone, but let's not do that. But in reality, this is the contract award. Best case scenario, this includes debriefings and, and essentially begins work on the contract and, and you have a, a kickoff meeting and, and, and honestly, contracting officers then move on to the next acquisition. Either they, they pick up administering this one or oftentimes what happens is they have a source selection that's either running at the same time that's about to end or they pick up their next one. And, and this, this happens you know, over and over again. But this, these time zones, they don't change. The overall concept doesn't change. It's just going to be unique to each agency, each requirement, and each competition. We have a visual of this on the website so you can see what we're talking about and refer to it, back to it if, you, if you'd like to. The, the point is that all acquisitions, whether it's something simple and small and fast, low dollar, or whether it's the most complex high dollar values the government – high dollar acquisitions the government has, these all go through the same zones. So once again – Time zones are the way that Kevin and I have referred to the different phases of the acquisition cycle. There's the requirement zone, the market research zone, the RFP zone, and the source selection zone. There's separate casts diving deep into the details of each zone, but for now, I think we've summed it up well. So thanks, Kevin, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks.